Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to Midweek in the Word. Um, Thanks for joining us for another episode of the podcast. I'm Brad Myers, your host and question asker for this podcast. And as you know, I'm Faith Bible Church's adult ministries pastor. And I'm joined again this week by Pastor Tom, our preaching pastor. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast, Tom. Well, thank you, Brad. It's uh, nice to be here again today on a really sunny day. Uh, Hopefully one of these days we'll be back together in the same room. (laughs) No doubt. I'm, I'm hoping in a few weeks uh, that we can continue this conversation live and in person. Uh, but for the time being, we'll continue to stay in the air conditioning um, out of the heat on a day like today as we find ourselves finally in July as we record this podcast. Um, and so, so this week, uh, like I said last week, we've basically reached the midweek or the mid-year point of your, of your sermon series, your snapshots from Genesis to Revelation going through all 66 books. Of, of the Bible that we have. And, and this last week you were in Second Kings again, talking about King Hezekiah. Um, so I just want to take a moment and, and refresh for people a little bit of what they heard um, from the message on Sunday. Uh, what did we learn about God on Sunday, Tom? Well, the amazing thing about King Hezekiah is he was a 25-year-old when he became a king. His father was the, the epitome of decadence for the kings of Judah. And out of that came one who had a heart for God and and led an unbelievable revival. Uh, What we see, I think, there is a couple of things. One, God is continually the director of all human history, that things are unfolding according to his plan. And just when it looks like God has lost control just by by the character of those who are called to be his servants, and suddenly you see that God moves things forward and he restores I think the other one with Hezekiah was that we see that he is also the Lord of life. Um, Hezekiah is said to get his affairs in order because he's going to die. He pleads with God for extension, and God gives him another 15 years. Yeah, it's a fascinating story, no doubt, and a, a strange turn uh, there at the end, almost unexpected, um, but a unique twist in Hezekiah's story, undeniably. Um, secondarily, what, what did this story reveal about us? What did it reveal about mankind? Well, time, time after time, we have seen that uh, the man's number one problem is the man himself. And in this case, again, uh, just when you think we finally have that king that's going to measure up and finish strong, uh, pride of heart takes him down again. So we see that man is prone to self-reliance, self-exaltation, and pride. Yeah, a lamentable theme that we keep running into uh, throughout Scripture, no doubt. Uh, finally, how did it, how did it point us to Christ? Well, in the days leading up to the message, I, that was really a, a struggle. Where do we see Jesus in these portraits? And then all of a sudden, it's just kind of like the text came alive, and there's multiples. I, probably the two most outstanding is, first of all, uh, the, the kingdom of Hezekiah was uh, probably second only to David's or even, even exceeded Solomon. So you just get a glimpse of what the glorious kingdom under the reign of the king of kings, when Christ comes, what his glorious kingdom will look like. So that there's that forward picture. But I think the second one is that Hezekiah's first task was to cleanse the temple, to open it up and to remove all. And all of a sudden, as I'm 
thinking about Jesus coming in and they, they declare him to be the king on the day of the triumphal entry. The next thing he does is goes and cleanses the temple. So again, you see this picture of the one who will be the master of his father's house. Hmm. Amen. Amen. That long line of kings uh, leading to the king of kings uh, that we'll run into uh, with the gospels when we hit the New Testament. A good reminder uh, from the life of Hezekiah uh, on Sunday. Uh, so now let's let's begin to transition here a little bit, Tom, uh, because I know uh, we've been talking about this era of the kings of Israel uh, for nearly two months. Um, and since the reign of Solomon and, and the split of the kingdom into the northern and southern tribes, there have been 19 kings in the north, the last one being Hosea, when Israel fell. We've already passed that point of the northern kingdom falling. Um, and Hezekiah was the 13th king in Judah. We'll still have seven more kings before Judah will eventually fall in our story. And I, and I know we've already talked about the differences between kings and chronicles, both first and second kings and first and second chronicles. A couple of weeks ago, listeners, if you missed that discussion on kind of why is this story told twice, I'd encourage you to go back and listen through that. Um, I know it was helpful to me in thinking through those books. Um, but now I want to shift gears a little bit, Tom, and I want to focus on um, something they have in common. Uh, because there's a couple of phrases that keep coming up and I keep noticing in Kings and Chronicles as, as major themes in the Bible. Uh, so I'd like to explore them a little bit more today on the podcast. The first is this phrase that, that keeps showing up, um, and he did what was evil or he did what was good in the sight of the Lord. Um, the second being, and he walked in the way of his father, etc. Sometimes it's he's walked in the way of his father, David. Sometimes it's he's walked in the way of his father, Jeroboam, or any number of poor kings that get listed there. Um, and so I want to focus in on these two phrases um, as kind of a framework for the books of Kings and Chronicles. Um, so let's, let's start down that road here a little bit. Uh, where do you think these phrases come from in Scripture? Why does the biblical author grab them from somewhere else? Well, I, I think, first of all, there's a, there's a distinction between the two. Uh, the, the one is he did what was evil or good in the sight of the Lord. It speaks to God's ability to know the heart and the motive. So it's looking at the internal motivation of the king. And then he walked in the way of his father is what people see of him. So it's the external kind of thing. And uh, I was, uh, there are several places. One is I, think, I was thinking about Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it said that you're to teach your children as you walk about your house, as you're sitting down, as you're going to bed at night. So there's a, a little bit of that lifestyle. The word mm. walk has to do with the, the behavior. Uh, it's a pattern of life and all that. Another one I, I wondered about was in Joshua 24:15, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, again, that sense that dad's gonna set the pace. My sons will follow accordingly. Um, and then God's command back in the law uh, that we're to be imitators, uh, you be holy because I am holy. So there's, again, that, that sense of example and comparison according to life application of truth, I think. Okay, so, so it's easy to say that the, the author is giving us a glimpse into what you're saying as far as what's going on in the heart of what God sees about each king and, and then what's going on in the way he walks or the way he lives, the lifestyle of each king. Um, so why are these phrases repeated over and over and over again about nearly every king listed in these two books? 
Yeah, I, th I think I think it's what God's expectation, uh, you know, in Deuteronomy 17, it, it says, when you come into the land, the Lord has given you possession to dwell in it. I will set a king over you. You will say, set a king over me like all the nations around. And then he goes on to give very specific instructions about that king. If you're going to be like the other nations, having a king, you are not to have a king like the other nations. And so he is to be one that sets the example of what it means to walk with the Lord. He is to be humble. He is to recognize he is a king under a greater king. Uh, and, and so I, I, God's standard of, of faithfulness or success for a king is not the number of wars that he won against opposing forces or other enemies. It's not necessarily the territory that he gains or loses but it's how did he walk according to the covenant commitment of God? How did he walk according to the faithful promises of the Lord? Mm, it's a good reminder, you know, that the faithfulness is dependent upon not some of the exterior, you know, national stuff and, and things that we tend to think of, but really on the condition of the heart. You know, that idea of, of David, you know, as the example so often in these books of he was a man after God's own heart and he sought the Lord. Uh, with all his heart and mind and soul and, and, and you know, that kind of theme coming out. Uh, I, I think that's helpful, you know, because so many times we get bogged down in the details of First and Second Kings. We get bogged down in the details of First and Second Chronicles of, well, he built this and he did this and he did this bad thing or he did this good thing. Um, and it really clarifies what is the author trying to tell us? What is the, the summary of what this king did? Did he seek the Lord or not? And, and, did he, did he look like David or not, you know, really in many ways um, in the way he ruled and the way he exemplified God's rule to the people? Okay, so then, so then just, just practically, let's transition to how, how did these phrase or how are these phrases then used as an evaluation tool? What are we supposed to, to think about this? Well, it, I think if you put it back in, these phrases appear, like we said before, in the Kings and the Chronicles primarily. And, uh, you know, as we said a couple weeks ago, the, the books of the kings were written as the people are in captivity, in exile, as, uh, as instruction or how did we end up here? You know, where are the promises of God and how? And so I think in the kings, when you see it, it's like, well, you're here because those who were tasked by God to lead you into a closer relationship with him led you away from him. And uh, because of his love, his commitment, I was thinking about Deuteronomy 28. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'll bring this curse upon you. And so I think in the Kings, it's an explanation of oh, why are we here in Babylon in these difficult circumstances? When you get to the Chronicles, is you know, they come back into the land and, and the land's just devastated. I mean, I'm working on Jeremiah right now. And, you know, the last thing he sees is the burning rubble of the city and the question when they come back and say, well, what happened? Well, it had to do with the kings. Did they lead you closer to walk with the Lord or further away? God's promises are faithful, but, you know, his blessing flows out of obedience. And uh, mm. so, so I think you're just continually explaining to the people of Israel what God expects. And uh, again, to the leaders, uh, how, they, how does God measure them? Mm hmm yeah, I, I think that's helpful. I, I, it's, it's, it's helpful in my mind, at least, to think through, you know, as, as I think about all the books that follow, especially the Pentateuch, you know, those first five books that we talked about in a few podcasts ago, now it's been, um, those are the books of the law, and those are kind of this grid 
you know, through which every other book needs to be evaluated. And so the books of the Kings and the Chronicles are about the kings, you know, the leaders primarily, not exclusively, but primarily the leadership um, of the nation. And they are supposed to be evaluated through the grid of did they live up both in their hearts, you know, before the Lord and in, in their public office and life as kings, um, did they live up to the covenant? Did they do what God asked them to do? Did they look at the at the Pentateuch, at, at Deuteronomy, you know, in the books of the law, and did they do what God had called them to do? Were they faithful in that season? And then you get these two phrases. They were faithful or they weren't faithful, <laughs> essentially. It's kind of a an all or nothing equation. Um, so, so, so based upon that concept of, of we're, we're looking at the kings in, uh, in, the, in these books through that grid, um, what, does, what does or do these, these themes tell us about how we in today should read these books? Well, I, I think, again, uh, the, the kings are in that line of promise that, that God is ultimately going to bring a son of David to the throne. And so I think as we read those, we, we're, we're continuing to look for that line, that, that vein, that, that connection. Uh, how does this, and, and in what way does this uh, king either excite us about what that king's going to be or bring us to that moment of, oh, Lord, please have mercy, you know, mm-hmm. bring that king. So I, I think that's the, the first way we read it. And I, I, think, I think also we're reading it saying, what? What was, as we've said before, what was the author's intent for that? Uh, I want to go back just, just a moment. In, in Deuteronomy 17, one of the first things that the king was supposed to do was make his own personal autograph copy <laughs> of the law mm-hmm. so that, that he was not uninformed. And so I think, I think it's also helpful for us to say, wait a minute, you know, if, if I'm going to be walking with the Lord and pleasing to the Lord, I must be informed of the word and the will of the Lord. So it's a, I read it to learn what does God expect even from us in these areas mm. of obedience so that he can bless us. Mm. Yeah, and that theme of, of living life and finding the word and listening to the word is going to come up again this Sunday in the life of Josiah as his rediscovery yeah. of the word is a major point um, in his reign as a king as, as well. Um, so then, then as we're reading, if I can, if I can summarize a bit what you're saying, is as we're reading the Bible for ourselves, especially the Kings and Chronicles, these are really a lot of positive and negative examples that that speak to what our heart should be, uh, how we should evaluate our own walks in light of what God has commanded us to do. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think that, and I think combined with then we look we look for those repeated patterns of as as warnings to us. You know what what was it? And I, I thought it was interesting is when you start reading through that they were some very vile, like I said, 19 kings in the northern tribes of Israel, not one of which walked with the Lord, yeah. but all did evil in the south of the 25 walked with the Lord, but not fully. And then see, so you start looking and say of the five, what was it? What was it that tripped them up, took them down, you know, and after after Solomon and his, you know, for him, it was the wealth and the women that took his heart mm. To the false gods, but in the others, it really is. There's a pattern of that sense of God's bless me in tangible ways, and suddenly pride and arrogance, and stealing the glory of God. So, you know, uh, as you see those themes repeated, you say, Lord, are these are these cautions and warnings for us? That that what what are the things that the adversary will use 
to, to, you know, to divert us or to take us down. And so you read it in applicational from what, what can I learn? You know, talking about Romans 15, all these were written for our instruction. All right. So, so then Tom, in, in light of those, those major themes, you know, some of this, this practical stuff, let's, let's zoom out just a bit um, because this, this period includes not just, not just the Kings and Chronicles. It also includes a lot of the books of the prophet um, things like, you know, I want to say nine books or something like that encompassed right in here, right off the bat. And I know you've been teaching through some of those Isaiah and Jeremiah, you know, parallels. Um, so then in whole, what is this, you know, 300, 400 year period supposed to teach us uh, of, in biblical history as kind of a big object lesson um, practically for us? What are we supposed to take away from it? Well, certainly there is there is encouragement that that God never loses control of the unfolding details of His history. I think the second is is that that God, when He makes a commitment, He keeps it. His covenant stands. Uh, he He faithfully, we're talk, like you said, talking about the prophets. He He faithfully sends voices to call us back to get our attention, uh, to mm-hmm. turn us home. Um, I, I think we look at that 300 years and say, uh, sometimes I, I, I read it and say, I lose patience with processes and times and say, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you changing things? You know, mm-hmm. and realize that, that God's calendar is not as short as my calendar. And so he, over a 300 year period, he was still working out his purposes and he was still pointing forward. And, and so I think we learn to read it from, as you say, from the bigger perspective and say, uh, this is not the end of the story. This is a chapter. Where's the story going and how did God pick it up here? How did he clean this mess up and move it forward? Hmm. Yeah. God doesn't, doesn't need us to carry his mission forward, um, but he does ask us to be faithful, uh, yeah. even in the small things that he's called us to. Um, yeah, listeners, hopefully, hopefully this has been an encouraging discussion for you and, and helpful. I know for many, as they run into the books of first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles, uh, there's a few temptations to jump over some of the things, you know, jump over the genealogy, uh, at the beginning of first Chronicles and some of those kind of things, uh, because it is at times a challenging read. Um, but hopefully this is an encouragement to you as you think it through. Don't, don't get lost in the weeds. Don't get lost in the details of so many of their reigns, read through it, look for how to observe and how to understand the context. Uh, But remember in both of these books or all four of these books um, that what, what the author is seeking to do is, is highlight uh, the faithfulness or the lack of faithfulness on the part of the Kings and on the part of the people. And it really is this reminder of God's holiness and God's standard, our ultimate need for a King who will be faithful um, to so many things, and just this rep- repeated cycle that we hear of one king after another, after another, after another. Uh, it's funny, I know it, it becomes difficult to read as we read it over and over again, um, but oftentimes in Scripture, it is those things that are repeated over and over and over again um, because we we need to hear them over and over and over again. So we would encourage you, you know, to to, to stick it out, keep working on these books. There is there is great fruit and great things to be mined, um, great encouragement out of these books. So they are a little bit challenging to read at times. Um, any any final thoughts in addition to that on this subject, Tom? Well, just a couple of things as you were speaking. I was I was thinking that uh, in a in a generation that's used to getting participation ribbons, 
uh, it's always applause and approval and never correction that uh, we need to read them and realize that, that God faithfully keeps his word, but he loves us too much just to let us go our own way. And uh, so we're reminded that those who are faithful and obedient, he blesses. Uh, those who resist his will, he loves them too much not to correct them. But he is always working out his purposes so we can trust him. I'd say the other thing I would say is, uh, as I said before we started recording, uh, every time I get a new Bible, one of the first things I do is go to the Kings and Chronicles and highlight those two phrases. They walked according to the way of the Father, or they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It gives a great uh, a, a great framework for beginning to read a good outline for understanding. So I'd have to be encouraged by that. Well, to, to quote our friend uh, Jared, we will now uh, take things from Brad to worse. Um, <laughs> Brad is uh, preaching Josiah uh, this Sunday. I get to be Brad for a moment, and I get to ask you this question, Brad. So what are you looking forward to in the study and the message of Josiah? You know, it's going to be challenging on my part. Um, it's not difficult to, to see how I have a passion uh, for this character in the Bible uh, based upon Jenna and I having named our oldest son, Josiah. I just, I just find the story absolutely amazing. His, his example of faithfulness sandwiched, you know, following uh, a father that really did not set him up for success in this, in this right. Um, Josiah, just the things that are said about him, about him walking, um, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walking in the way of his father and not turning to the right or to the left, you know, as the book of Proverbs picks up. Um, I, I'm just really looking forward to talking about uh, the steps that Josiah took uh, to be faithful and and how early he started in his life. You know, for those of you, I don't, I don't know how many or if we have any young listeners um, to the podcast, but for those of you that are parents of young children, uh, it's just fascinating uh, how Josiah sets the trajectory of his life early on, becoming king at eight, um, then following or deciding to follow the Lord at 16. And, and these steps, all of these major things he does, uh, you know, even before his 30th birthday, um, and he dies before he even turns 40. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's really a, a good example of, of how Josiah responded to God, um, you know, of how he he sought the Lord, um, how when, when he rediscovered the word of God, he appropriately responded in repentance and obedience. Um, and just a good reminder of, of the little things and the, the simple faith, uh, even of, of a young ruler, to simply do what God has called him to do. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward uh, to the opportunity to explain a little bit of that on Sunday. Yeah, and, and now, uh, listener, uh, you, you just got the Reader's Digest version of Sunday's sermon. <laughs> there we yeah. go. So, uh, I don't know what your appetite to be there. And uh, it would be kind of exciting that your own Josiah, some years from now, say, look, I have discovered a Bible in my dad's basement. <laughs> there you so, go. <laughs> you know, take it to heart and uh, a revival will break out because of that. Mm. So uh, what are the yeah. interpretive questions that you find you have to wrestle with in the Josiah study? Yeah, you know, one of the... One of the things about it that really, um, and I've read already some commentaries that kind of go back and forth on this subject, is is the end of Josiah's life. You know, he gets he gets the prediction earlier after seeking uh, the will of the Lord, after recovering um, the the word of the Lord, and he gets he gets this reminder uh, that that he won't see the destruction that will fall upon the nation of Judah, and because of his faithfulness and because of his repentance. 
Um, and then at 39 years old, old, you get this strange story of, of him seemingly to go into battle uh, for, it doesn't tell you why, you know, and, and ultimately being killed in battle. And it's, and it's clear that God's sovereignty is at play there. Um, but why? You know, why does his life end that way? Why does he act the way he does toward the end of the li- his life? Um, it's, it's a question that still me, remains to be answered a bit, a bit in my mind as, as I'm reading through the text. And so we'll see where I land on that um, <laughs> by the time I, I'm, I'm preaching everything on Sunday. And as we were talking earlier, you know, Jeremiah writing a lament uh, mm. to the fallen king. And also, yeah, just what, what's going on there? So how do we yeah. prepare our own hearts to receive this message, Brad? I would just I would encourage our listeners um, to to be prepared um, to just kind of lay our own um, attitudes, especially you know before the Lord. Uh, what what is fascinating about Josiah is is though he didn't see uh, his father exemplify a correct understanding of Scripture and uh, a correct response to Scripture, his response when he hears the word of the Lord. Uh, read to him is to is to repent, is to weep, and is to tear his clothes, and it's it's just amazing um, how quickly and and um, responsively he reacts to the word um, and and the impact it has on his heart, and then he turns around and shares it with the people, um, and so I would encourage our listeners just to. To, to mull that over in their own hearts, especially be thinking, um, how do I respond um, to, to Scripture, whether it be my own reading or whether it be um, the message being taught from the pulpit or, or, or whatever the means of, of delivery is? Um, what is my attitude um, and what is my response uh, to, to what God has to say in His Word? Um, and take a look at Josiah's life and, and see if we can't follow his example, um, even in the little things in our own lives. Well, with, with that being said, um, hopefully uh, we've at least whetted your appetite a bit uh, for this, this Sunday's message. Uh, whether you choose to join us online or join us in person, uh, we hope that the message and the story of Josiah will be an encouragement to you. And we hope that our topic this week uh, is helpful to you as you read through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. Uh, remember, if you are following along in the weekly reading, um, in preparation for King Josiah, you have 2 Kings uh, chapters 21, 22, and 23. Uh, as always, we would love to hear from you as you're wrestling with questions in your own reading, preparing your heart for the message. Let us know if you run into questions that you're not sure how to approach. If you'd like to get some feedback, we'd love to address them here on the podcast or answer you privately either way. Um, If you're looking for a little more information on this subject, uh, we've recommended it before, uh, but Fee and Stewart's book, How to Read the Bible Book by Book, has some great introductions to the books of 1 and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles. Uh, I think it'll be encouraging to you. If you you don't have a copy, if you're interested, let me know. I'd love to to help help you find a copy of that book. Um, And then we're looking forward to seeing uh, many of you on Sunday as well. If you're able to join us, Uh, then feel free to let us know. Uh, Help us know that you're going to be on your way so that we can accommodate that. And if if you're staying home as well, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If we haven't seen seen you in a while, we'd love to stay connected um, in this challenging season where we're not able to see each other as much. Um, So thanks for joining us for this episode. Know that uh, we as pastors and elders are praying for you and praying for, for wisdom and insight as you study the Bible for yourself. And we hope you join us again next week for the podcast. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.